So the Sermon on the Mount, of course, starts with eight statements that are commonly called Beatitudes. And you look at them in your, 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 your Bibles, uh, wherever you're looking at your Bible right now. You'll see each of these statements start with the word blessed. So the Sermon on the Mount begins with Jesus talking about what it means to be blessed. Now, when you hear the word blessed, or so the sense of being happy, a lot of people think, well, someone who's blessed, someone who's happy, someone who's successful, someone who's attractive, someone who's powerful. Those are the normal things we associate with being blessed. That's the happy person. But right from the jump here, what we'll see here is that Jesus is, is helping us see a different way of understanding what it means to be blessed. Uh, Bible's way, God's way of what it means to be blessed. The blessed person, the happy person is blessed and happy at a deeper level. It's at a level not based on circumstance, not dependent on circumstances. But what we'll see is that it's based in the kind of person that you are. These Beatitudes want to point us to sort of character, kind of being, the kind of person that you are, and especially the kind of person you are in relation to God. Uh, being blessed is tied to your connection to God and the kind of person you are and how you live as a result of that. Uh, this, of course, runs very counter, as we just said, to the tendencies and the ways we think about these things in our world. That's especially true with the Beatitude that we'll look at this morning. So we're in Matthew chapter 5, verse 7, and... Clicker's not going here. Move to the next slide. Oh, as it's doing that. So there you go. Matthew chapter 5, verse 7. It says this. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. So this morning, we want to talk about what it means to be merciful. Um, if you look at a bunch of different dictionaries that give you a sense of uh, the Greek word that's translated in our Bibles as mercy or merciful, Really, the basic definition is that to be merciful is to have deep compassion for someone in need, uh, to have a care and concern for those who are in need. As I said, the tendency in our world is to respond to power, isn't it? To respond to control, to strength. That's what we admire, that you win, <laughs> that you're successful, that you achieve. Weakness is not good. Losing should not happen. If you're weak, you lose, well... Maybe that's on you. Can't expect help. It's nice to get help, but you can't expect it. You can't demand it. If you fail someone, you let someone down, well, that's on you. You can't expect kindness in return or even forgiveness. No way. God's pointing us in a different direction here. Once you open up to sort of what the Lord wants to do with us this morning, uh, where God is saying we can, not just that we can, that we should help those who are in need. We should help the weak. We should help the losers. We should help the needy. That we can and should extend kindness to those who have failed us, to those who have let us down. That's not easy. It's not natural. So this morning what we want to do is sort of break down just what it is to be merciful. So the different things that are part of being able to be merciful and then helping us see then how God helps us to do all those things. How God helps us to be merciful in the ways that the Bible calls us to be merciful. So what does it mean to be merciful? There's three things that we look at this morning. Number one, to be merciful, you need to have the eyes to see people in need. Two, you need to have the heart to feel need, to feel people's need, to feel compassion for people. And thirdly, you need to have the will then to act in response to people's needs. So that's what it means to be merciful. Let's start with the first one. To be merciful requires us... To have the eyes to see people's legit needs. It's to see people in their need. 
See where people are lacking. See where people are suffering. See where people are deficient. There's a lot of different ways people can be in need. So people can be in need physically. They're lacking food. They're lacking clothing. Uh, maybe they're, they're physically or, or mentally challenged in some way. They have a chronic illness. So they're needy physically. People can also be needy emotionally. So in our community, there are people who, who feel unloved, who feel unnoticed. Um, there's others in your life, others around us who are overwhelmed with anger or sadness or anxiety or fear. And they're needy because if you think about it, if you're overwhelmed by those emotions, there's people who are living their lives basically dominated by just one or two emotions. And they're lacking. To be human is to have a full range of emotions. And some of us, we're only living 80% of the time feeling one or two of those. Feeling overwhelmed, just always, in, always anger, always fearful, always anxious. They're trapped by this, and so they're needy emotionally. There's other people who are needy relationally. And so just constant conflict with the people around them. Unresolved conflict or tensions in past relationships. So there's need in their relationships. Of course, there's need spiritually. Uh, people who have no sense of who they are, who God has made them to be. No sense of connection or relationship with God. The merciful person sees the need. You see people in their need. You see the people around you often right in front of you. And you're able to not just sort of see them and kind of like, oh, yeah, that's that person, right? That's Bill, that's Mary. No, you see them, but you see Bill, you see Mary, you see whoever it is, you see them in need. You see their need. You identify their need. Our natural tendency, of course, is to focus more on ourselves. Um, we're busy. We've got things to do. It's a new year. I've got resolutions to, to fulfill and then not fulfill them, right? It just, we've got all sorts of stuff going on, Right? The merciful person is able to not just sort of say, well, I just care about my life. To be merciful is to care about other people's lives, to see other people's lives, to see people in their need, to pay attention to it and to notice it, to pay attention to notice the family struggling uh, to pay their bills, to see the lonely child, to see the anxious college student, to see the depressed father or mother. Being merciful see, sees those people, identifies them in need. But also being merciful means seeing people who initially you might say have it all together, but you also see beyond that. You see beneath that. You see that they also are in need too. Think about the life of Jesus. We think of Jesus as being someone who cares about the weak, uh, the sick, the leper, which is true. Jesus was especially oriented towards those people because those people are overlooked. But that's not the only kind of people Jesus interacted with. There's all these stories of Jesus interacting with people you might say on the face of it have it all together. So think of the story of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is a wealthy tax collector. He's got it all together. He's successful. A lot of money. But Jesus sees his need. He sees he's despised by his community because he got his wealth by exploiting other people. And so when Jesus is walking by and Zacchaeus is a short guy, he's up in a tree because he can't see Jesus. He wants to see Jesus. I mean, Jesus could keep walking by. He's short. He's hidden in a tree. Just keep walking by. That's not what Jesus does, is it? The Bible tells us Jesus looks up and sees him. He sees someone in need and befriends him. He sees that Zacchaeus is needy relationally and spiritually, and he reaches out to him. So being merciful means seeing the people who on the outside look great, but you see beyond that. You see the need that's there. Being merciful also means you see people whose need, who are needy, even though initially all you see from them is that they're difficult. <laughs> they're hard to deal with. I'm talking about the people in your life, they're angry, they're rude, 
Uh, you're just plain annoying. Being merciful means you see those people and you see them as being worthy of mercy. Again, this isn't easy to do. Uh, we were talking, uh, Chris and I were talking during our preaching collective. We talk about sermons coming up and talking about how the natural response to people like that is uh, respond in the same kind, to keep that same energy, right? You give me anger, I'll give you anger. <laughs> you give me rudeness, I'll give you rudeness. You cut me off, I'm going to speed up to cut you off, <laughs> right? Uh, we, we respond in kind, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. To be merciful requires seeing, yes, someone is rude and angry and annoying, but see underneath that. They're rude, they're angry, annoying, but underneath that, they're needy, emotionally needy, relationally poor. To be merciful is to see people in their need and all the different ways they have their need, to have the eyes, the imagination to see people in their need uh, and to then have compassion for them. And that moves us to the next thing. So you see people's needs, but the Bible says you, you need to feel something for them. You need to feel something for them. To be merciful means then also having the heart to feel people's needs. To feel people's needs. So you see the need, and then you allow your heart to have pity and compassion for them. So let's take, for example, to someone who's, who's struggling in their life. They're struggling because of bad decisions they've made. Uh, they're struggling because they've got bad people in their life. They're struggling because they've picked up some bad habits. The natural tendency when you see people like that is to ignore them, to dismiss them, to look down on them, to say, well, it's their fault. Shouldn't have hung out with those people. Should have invested in, in cryptocurrency, right? You shouldn't have, uh, uh, side note. <laughs> uh, you shouldn't have, uh, I don't know, uh, moved into that area or accepted that job or any number of different things, right? Um, yeah, we have all sorts of ways of judging people, like I just did, <laughs> assessing people, uh, all these different ways in which we look at people. Mercy in the Bible's ways is you see people and you move towards them with the heart of compassion, which doesn't ignore what might be really going on there. Someone may need more wisdom in their life. Someone may need to be better financial decisions. Someone may need to get these toxic people that they're sort of enmeshed with out of their lives. That all may be true, but mercy begins first with the heart of compassion, with an empathy, a sense of feeling for them. And I use that word very intentionally, feeling for them. Before you sort of move to like, well, you usually do this and do that. Oftentimes we start there and we go in a very, very wrong direction. The Bible talks about mercy in the sense of you see people's needs and you feel something in your heart for them. Remember that example I gave about the angry person, right? The rude person. They're angry, they're rude. Let's be straight. That, that needs to change. <laughs> you're always angry, you're always rude, you need to deal with that. But mercy begins first by saying, but I have a compassion for you first. As I interact with you, I have a heart of compassion and pity for you. You, have, you see underneath the anger, you see underneath the rudeness, so that you fundamentally are able to have compassion for them. And I think you have, you're able to feel that for them because when you sort of are willing to open your heart to feel something for someone, you're basically seeing here's where they are and you feel for them because you know where they could be. You see someone who's just dominated by these certain emotions. You see someone who, who is enmeshed in all these wrong relationships and decisions and rather than assessing them, rather than judging them, you feel for them. You feel for them because you see where they are and you have the perspective, the imagination to know what they could be and how far away, how lacking they are from what they could be. And so you allow yourself to feel that for them. 
when you do that, when you see people this way and you're willing to feel this way for people, that sets you up then for this next part of what it is to be merciful. We see people's needs. We have the hearts to feel their pe people's needs. Lastly, then, we have the will to act in response to people's needs. For this, we're going to look at another passage, and it's the parable of the Good Samaritan. And that story that Jesus tells basically is the best illustration we can give of what, we're talking about this, what we've been talking about this morning. In this story, we see all three things. Jesus tells a story about someone who sees someone needs, feels something for them, feels compassion for them. But then, here's the, the key thing, then acts. Acts to do something to meet those needs, to help that person. So here's the story. Jesus is talking to someone. And Jesus gives this story to him. He says, Jesus replied, this is Luke 10, chapter 30. Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. So notice the, the word saw is used in both cases, but they didn't really see the person, did they? Here's someone who's hurt, half dead, and people see it. And in the Bible, we have to speculate. But Jesus doesn't give sort of why they passed by, just that they saw but not enough to actually move in any way towards them. They went on their way. They had other things to do. Sort of implied by like the, 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 the priest, the Levite. They had, they had religious stuff to do. They got to go to church, right? They got things to volunteer for. They got things to do, ministries to do, right? And these are, by the eyes of the world of that day, the priest, the Levite, these are the good people. These are the evangelical Christian, right? They got it all together. They saw and they kept going. Then we come to verse 33. But a Samaritan, and let's be clear, the Samaritan is a non-Jew, despised by the Jew. In that culture, they're like half-breeds, right, because they're not fully Jewish. And the history of the Samaritan people is complicated and it involves a lot of things that the Jewish people don't like, they're not proud of. So they hate people like this, the Samaritans. They want nothing to do with them. So it's very intentional that Jesus mentions it's a Samaritan. As he journeyed, came to where this guy is, and notice when he saw him, what does it say there? He had compassion. He had compassion. The Samaritan sees these people, but unlike them, he really sees this guy. He sees this guy, but really sees him. He sees him not as someone to avoid, someone he doesn't have time for. He doesn't think, like, this is this guy's fault. Why was he doing traveling around this road without protection, <laughs> right? That's not what he thinks. He sees him, sees he's in need, and notice he has a heart for him. It says there in the Bible, he has compassion for them. It's a word, the Greek word there, it means to feel something in your gut. So the Bible's talking about deep feeling, like an angst, like a, oh, this poor guy. What happened to him? He has a deep gut, empathy for this man. He sees him, he feels for him, but that's not the full picture of what mercy is. The story doesn't end here, does it? Mercy isn't just you see and then you feel something. That's important, but the full expression of mercy is what happens next in this story. Verse 34. He, the Samaritan, went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. 
Then he sent him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. So notice the practical actions here. First, there's an immediate need. He's in danger on this road. He's hurt. He's injured. So he pours oil and wine. He sanitizes the wound, right? Then he takes him out of that condition, the current state he's in. He can't stay in this place. So the Samaritan says, I have the ability to do more than this. So he does it. He takes him to a place, to an inn. Puts him in a place where he can get rehab, basically. Get healthy. Get strong. Gets enough money so that he can no longer be in the place where he's in such deep need and be in a better position. Be in a better place. The story finishes with this. So Jesus says, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? The guy who's listening to the story says to Jesus, he said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. Do likewise. This story is about mercy. And being merciful looks like what we see with the Good Samaritan. To see the legit needs of people, to feel something for them, compassion and pity for them, and then to act, to act as much as you are able to meet that legit need, to help that need, to help address that legit need of that person. So for some people, it's to help them get food to eat. For some others in your world, it's to help them make better decisions so that they're not constantly needing food to eat and a place to stay. For other people, you help them by, by coming alongside them to help them get through that rehab program finally and get the accountability they need so they can stay clean. And that's how you're showing mercy to them. That's how you're helping them. For some other people in your life, you help them by, by coming and saying, look, we are going to help you kill your addiction to pornography. We're going to do whatever it takes. You show mercy to them by helping. You see their need and you act. You give up your time in early in the morning to meet with them, to do whatever it is to help them kill that addiction. For some other people, you're going to help them by being the friend that they've never had. You realize they spent so much of their life friendless, and you're going to be that friend. For other people, you're going to be that father figure, that mother figure that they have desperately wanted. They're relationally poor in that area, and you step in to fill that gap. For some people in your life, uh, you help them. You show mercy, practically speaking, by offering forgiveness. Even when, according to the standards of the world, by all intents and purposes, they don't deserve it. Right? They don't deserve forgiveness, and yet you offer to it. And now, to be clear, we can offer forgiveness, and people don't always receive it. <laughs> they reject it. But to still offer it is an act of mercy, isn't it? To still offer it, to be open to it. And let's just recognize how hard this is. And speaking personally, like, this is hard. I, my favorite movies are revenge movies, right? <laughs> I, I want to get back at people, <laughs> right? Justice, right? I, we respond to that. I respond to that. The idea of forgiving, offering forgiveness. I mean, that's hard. I don't like it. I don't like that the Bible says that. The act of showing mercy and help extending myself in this way, some, some of those are way easier for me. But I think the way you should approach the Bible is not to go with the easy ones, to go with the ones that are hard and ask why they're hard. All these different ways in which God calls us to see and to feel and to respond with help, it's hard to do naturally, but it's possible. It's possible. I'm a Christian because I know it's possible. It's possible when we are in Jesus. See, by faith, God gives us not our eyes and not our heart and not our will. God gives us the eyes and the heart and the will of Jesus, doesn't he? 
It's Jesus in us that allows us to see and to feel and then to act. And because we have Jesus in us, in us it's a reminder then, really, that the only way we're able to be like Jesus and extend mercy to other people is because we have Jesus because of the mercy of God. The deep, abundant mercy of God that came into our life to even enable us to think and talk this way. This leads us into that, that second part of that, that verse that we, we need to mention. It says, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. The merciful person is ultimately mercy because they've received mercy, the mercy of salvation through Jesus Christ, the mercy of new life in Jesus Christ. This is a way of just saying that like all of us are needy in the end. All of us are needy. Because of sin, all of us are physically needy. Our bodies are not the way God made them, intended them to be. Our world physically is not structured the way it's supposed to be. We're physically needy because of sin. We're all emotionally needy. Sin has made us not be able to express our emotions in the ways that we should or to, to give in to very negative or even sinful emotions. We're relationally needy. Because of sin, our relationships with one another aren't fully the way they should be. Our relationship, our connection to God is not what it should be. We're not as close to God as we should be. We have hurt and pain, hostility and tension in a lot of our relationships. We're needy, all of us, spiritually. Because we're not as how God created us to be. We, don't, we were meant to have connection to God every single minute of every day. But many of us are living large parts of our lives without relationship with God, without a sense of God. So in that sense, when we sort of see the way that the Bible talks about the world, the way God wants us to see the world, we see there's no higher or lower people. There's no rich or poor, smarter or not so smart. We, we, we have those categories in our world. In God's eyes, there's just needy people. Sinfully needy people. We're all in the same place. All of us living far short of the glory of God. And then God acted. God saw a needy humanity, and I like the way one pastor put it, God put on the skin of mankind. God did the most merciful thing he could do. He became one of us in the person of Jesus. He acted in compassion, bringing saving love into our world to the point of being willing to even die for us so that we would no longer live these sort of really needy lives, but instead live rich lives, lives rich with eternal life. That's the mercy of God. That's how much God has extended himself towards us. That's what it says in Titus chapter 3, uh, starting in verse 4. It says, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, that's the way we tend to think. I do righteous things. I do good things. And that's how I earn my way with God and earn my way with other people. The Bible says that won't work. None of what we can do will ever achieve all the things that you think it can achieve. It will all fall short of what God calls us to. So God saves us not because of what we've done. Notice what it says there. But according to his own mercy. God saves us because he felt mercy. He, felt, he saw us. He felt something for us, and then he acted. And he acted in this way, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Lord, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs, no longer needy, but heirs, according to the hope of eternal life. The more you've experienced this, the more you continue to live in awareness of this, the more the saving, merciful love of God is filling your life, the more merciful you'll be. The more merciful you'll be. 
We will receive God's mercy as we are merciful. And we will continue to be merciful the more we live by faith in Jesus, always thanking God for what he's done, always dependent on his mercy, always aware of his mercy. That's why I think the opposite is true, and we should sort of really take stock of what this verse is saying, Matthew 5, 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. The less merciful you are, the less you'll receive mercy, which I take to mean as people who are regularly and constantly looking down at others, dismissing others, just regularly, constantly doing that. The more they do that, the more likely it is that they've never had that encounter with God. They've never received fully his merciful love in Jesus, which means the more likely then they'll stand before God and not receive mercy. They've been rejecting it their whole life. They've been unmerciful to everyone in their life. Why should they ever receive mercy in the end? They have no experience with it. They've rejected it. So this beatitude, I mean, it's a warning, isn't it? It's a good spiritual health check. Have I received mercy from the Lord such that I'm merciful, knowing that being merciful is how I continue to be in that relationship of God's mercy, which he richly pours out to us, the more we seek him and depend on him. I say all this to recognize something here. Mercy is not easy and it's not cheap. It's costly. It is costly to be this vulnerable. It's costly to open your heart and your mind and your soul to people in their need to identify yourself with people, and then to be willing to act as much as you're able to help those who are around you. It's costly. But we have someone in the Lord God, in Jesus, who paid that cost for us, didn't he? Who paid that cost. And we who have the spirit of God in us can also pay the cost as well. Because you understand, it's the infinite mercy of God that saved us. And that infinite mercy now has been poured into your heart and soul, and you're drawing from that infinite well to extend mercy to others. You show mercy out of the mercy that is already flowing into your life. And that's why it's, it's a cycle, isn't it? I continue to ask God to show mercy, and he gives me mercy. And because he shows me mercy, I can show mercy to other people. And every time I feel like I'm running dry, and it's hard and difficult, I say, Lord, I need your mercy. And God says, here's more of it. It's never stopped flowing. The faucet is always flowing. It's always flowing into your life so that you can see and feel and respond in the same way God has seen and felt and responded to you. And the result of that, you understand, the result of divine mercy is unlike anything in this world. It's only divine mercy that can heal people in the ways that people need to be healed. You understand, there's people who are needy and desperate. They're lacking. And this is a world that's cutthroat, that's brutal. Uh, I mean, I, it's hard to read news stories today. You see all that's happening around the world. What's required is mercy, isn't it? And mercy to see a need and to say, I'm going to give what I, have, what I have, even beyond that, to help a need. Think about how that heals people. I think about how that heals someone who, who has had a terrible family life and they come into a church community and experience family like they never had before. Think about how it heals someone who has been struggling with this habit. And the world just sees them with this, 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 with this addiction, with this habit. That's all you are. And mercy says, I see you beyond that. And I'm going to walk with you until you get to that point. Think about the healing that brings. And think about then the transformation that brings. There's people who are in the jaws of hell who you show mercy to them, God's mercy to them. And they come to know faith in Christ and they're healed and transformed. And so they're out of the jaws of hell and they're living a heavenly life now. Think about the person who is constantly um, struggling to, to sort of get out of their own way. <laughs> um, constantly, who's looked at this last year 
was ended this last year badly and is looking to this new year with trepidation. And mercy from someone like you helps them see God's perspective on it. And it transforms this year and gives them a year unlike any other, a year lived for God, in God, in connection to someone like you and others like you. Think about the transformation that brings. Think about the difference that makes in a community, in a neighborhood, in a city where you know that if you're in need, you're in desperate need, you can admit it. You can admit it because people will see it and they'll feel it with you. They'll feel it with you and then they'll respond with help. So here are the questions for us to ask. Do we have the eyes to see the needy? To see the legit needs, right? The legit needs of people who are around us, uh, who are close to us. I don't think, I would, the way I like to think about this is it's the people who are in your life, who are around you, are not there by accident. Um, that there is sort of, there's, there's needs I see around the world and I should feel something for them. But for sure, I should feel for something for the people who are close to me, who are around me. You think about it in sort of in circles. That God has intentionally brought things to your attention and brought people into your life. You see them. You see people in their need. You see the different ways in which they're needy. Second, do you have the heart to feel compassion for them? Are you willing to let your heart be warm enough, to let it go deep enough so you feel what they feel? You understand what they understand. Not ignoring the wrong or the, 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 the problems that's there, but before starting there, allowing you to feel something for them. Then do you have the will to act? The will to act with care and help for them. And ultimately, really, maybe that brings us all together, do we have the faith for all these things? Do you have faith enough in God's mercy to you in Jesus? Do you have faith that can fill you with the spirit of God so that you can see and feel and act like Jesus by being merciful to those around you? It's by faith God gives us the mercy that we need to show towards people. It's faith that God himself gives us, an extension of his mercy, isn't it? So let's pray that we would be merciful, even as God is merciful towards us. Amen? Lord, thank you for the time we've had together. Um, thank you for um, Lord, this opportunity just to, to reflect on your mercy towards us, Lord. It is rich and abundant and overflowing. You saw us, you felt for us, and then you acted. And so, Lord, uh, may we start there, Lord. Uh, may we start every day with a fresh encounter with your mercy, um, a deeper understanding of what it is that you were merciful towards us. And may that word then be the basis for us to be merciful to those around us, Lord. And um, I think of the, the, the power of what it is to be a Christian, to be in Christ. And our world wants to tell us, well, our power as Christians is, is by, you know, running Hollywood <laughs> or um, winning elections or uh, dominating uh, uh, a workplace or, or any number of different things. These are the standards of our world, to lord it over others and dominate over others. Uh, we see the structures of our world, the institutions of our world, and I'm just, especially in this new year, this election year, Lord, I continue to think of the ways in which we're told, here is where you bring change. Here's where you bring transformation. Um, Lord, the Sermon on the Mount points us in a different direction. Lord, healing and transformation happens by being like Jesus, and Jesus calls for us to be merciful, to see people in need, even our enemies, Lord, and to see them as being needy people and to extend need, to help them to be where they need to be. Um, and Lord, that, that can involve speaking hard truths, can involve all sorts of different things, all sorts of different things, Lord. And yet, Lord, it comes from a place of love and care for others. 
Um, so Lord, help us to be merciful. Help us to see people that we are not seeing. Help us to feel something for those around us. And help us to act. Help us to act in ways, Lord, that will bring more people to you, uh, that will make your kingdom come, Lord. Uh, and Lord, uh, we pray uh, as a result, Lord, for this, Lord, that we would be more and more people like Jesus, uh, grown like Jesus, and the world would be more like you. Pray this in Jesus' name, amen.